Um, this morning, um, let us turn our Bibles to Luke 15. Luke 15 this morning. Um, we'll look at the title of our message, The Prodigal Family. The Prodigal Family. Luke 15, verse number, we'll start at verse number 11. And the Word of God says, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days hence, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent them, sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk and that and the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, Many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us your word. That we may be able to enjoy your word. Dive deep into your word. Oh Lord, I pray this morning that you would feed us. Feed us full this morning. Let, us, let our cups overflow this morning. Holy Spirit, move in our midst this morning. Have your way. Lord, touch our hearts. Liberate our hearts. Oh, liberate our minds and our hearts from the troubles of yesterday. Liberate our hearts and our minds in this hour from all that distract, our, distract us from you, distract us from your glory. Lord, let us be affectionate for you this morning. Speak, Lord Jesus. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Oh, let us hear, let us see your word. Lord, my heart is heavy in the midst of this troubled world, in the midst of this wicked world. Lord, 
I pray this morning that you will bless us this morning. Comfort my heart. Bless our day that a poor spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Bless our day that mourn, for they shall be comforted. But we're seeking your face this morning for comfort. We're seeking your face this morning that you will pour more of your heavenly blessings into our hearts and our minds. Move in our midst, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The title of our message this morning is The Prodigal Family. This morning, let's just jump right into it. There's a lot to digest. There's a lot to look at. And I pray that God will truly uh, let us be fruitful this morning in our studies of his words, in the preaching of his words. So let us jump right into the word prodigal. What does it mean? There's two meanings to the word prodigal. And I want you to remember these as we go through the day and tonight as we continue the story this evening. Uh, we're going to look at the prodigal in two sense. In negative sense, it means wasteful. Um, to be wasteful is to be prodigal. And in a positive sense, it means lavish. Um, it means to lavish on one. To lavish and give a lot to someone. Um, so we will see these two vividly and clearly in our text this morning. This parable here was a response um, to verse number two in our chapter. Um, re re let's remember verse number two throughout this study this day. It, the Bible says, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. So this parable, these three parables, the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the lost coin, it's all a response to those who were mad Jesus was sitting and fellowshipping with sinners. Um, so here we have two sons. We've seen the, it's one sheep out of a hundred. It's one coin out of ten. Now we come to two sons. Um, we will say one out of two, but as we're going to learn today, it's actually two lost sons. So verse number one, I mean, our first point this evening is the wasted relationship. The wasted relationship. This is the prodigal life. Um, verse 11, we see starting out the prodigal life. Uh, we see a wasted relationship. The Bible says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. Uh, we can say for certain that a, a certain father had two lost sons. Let's paint the picture here. I, I picture in my mind a big white house. I picture rainbows and um, a, a lot of land to play in. I picture a picket fence. You know, a, a good house has a picket fence. Picket fence. Um, I picture a, 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 a well-to-do father who has loved his two boys. Uh, I, I picture these boys are enjoying in their home love, joy, peace, and most of all, a relationship with a loving father. Something many, uh, even millions in our country do not have or do not even know uh, what that is. So these two lost boys that we're talking about here, they don't come from a, a, a neglected father home or a deadbeat father home. They come from a loving father's home. Um, verse 12, let's continue in this prodigal life, this wasted relationship. 
Um, it says, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided unto them his living. Um, this boy, this, this, this prodigal son, he grew up in a good home. Um, but when he came of age, when he no longer be that, that little sweet boy, when he came to the point where he, um, as my dad said to me, he said to me, you smell it yourself. You think you're somebody. When he came to that point in his life where he, he now is a man, um, he comes to his father with such a, a daring command to his father. Um, give me, he says, give me the portion of goods that fall up to me. Now, to our ears, we hear, just give me my stuff, right? And just give me what belongs to me. Give me what you're going to promise me. Give me what you, you, you want to give me at the point of your death. But to this father's ears and to the people who, who are the Middle Eastern mind who's hearing this story, um, this, this young boy is really saying to his father, I wish you were dead. Give me what, I, what belongs to me. I don't care that you are still alive. To me, you are dead. Give me my stuff. Give me what belongs to me. This is a very give me, give me, give me, right? Self-entitlement. We know all about that in our culture. He's entitled. He, he's living a entitled life. He has a entitled mindset. See, lust will always lead children. Understand, let's grab hold of this real fast. Lust will always lead children to throw away relationships. Lust for money, lust for sex, lust for power, lust for pleasure, lust for fame. This boy is looking at his loving father who has given him so much. He says because of his lust in his heart, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, he says, Daddy, I wish you were dead. Give me what I, give me what I want. Sin will always destroy relationships. Sin leads a person. It leads a person to throw away a good pastor. Sin leads a person to throw away a good friend. Sin will always lead a person to throw away God-fearing parents. It is heartbreaking to see the stats of so many kids today. We know, we hear about so many kids who grew up in the church have thrown it all away. And it, it wasn't always some coat church. It wasn't always some bad, hypocritical church. Good churches. Uh, uh, the proverb says, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Oh, but the same can be said with us and God, humans and God. This is what the picture is really painting here. Uh, it, it's, it's, this is what sinners do. They look at God himself. They look at him. They look at his empty tomb. They heard about it all the Easter Sundays. They hear about it every, every Easter. They come to church. They look at the empty tomb. They look at his goodness. They look at his action. They look at his love. And they say, I don't care that you are alive. To me, you're dead. Give me my stuff. Give me my blessings. To me, you're dead, but give me what I, what I need. To me, you're dead, but look out for me when I'm going through hardship. To me, you're dead, but give me religion. Give me good health. Give me my fun. But to me, you are dead. 
Will you waste your relationships for lust? That's the first challenge here. Will we be prodigal in our relationships, prodigal in our relationship with God, prodigal in our relationship with a good pastor, a good father, a good friend, because we have lust for the world? So we see first a wasted relationship. Second, we see a wasted inheritance. Verse 13. In not many days hence, after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Prodigal here in the negative means that a man, this man, has a single evil quality. And that is of wasting his substance. So his inheritance wasn't money. His inheritance was things, food, it could have been pigs, it could be a, a boatload of sheep, it could have been a, a bunch of different things. It could have been a bunch of vine, a bunch of um, grapes in those days, vineyards. It could have been land. I, I don't know what the, 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 the things are, but this prodigal wasted no time in selling it all for money. He wanted his hands on money because money would get him to his lust. So he, he sold all that, he, all that his father gave him, whatever it was. He wasted no time to throw it all away. He wasted little time. He sold the inheritance, got the money, and ran far, 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 far away, hoping to forget all of his father's rules and righteousness. He poured his money into worldly pleasures that were riotous. It, it means this, this man went on, he went rogue. He purposed in his heart to rebel against everything that he taught him. He did everything to insult his daddy's legacy. He didn't just do it for fun. He wanted to insult his daddy. He wanted to fully rebel against everything he had been taught and told and showed by his father. Proverbs 30, verse 11 and 13 says, There's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. What this boy didn't realize was the only person he was really truly being violent towards was his own soul. It's the same for the, the lustful child that goes out and runs to the world today. The only person they're hurting is their own soul. They're not hurting their old church. They're not hurting God. They're not hurting their father. Yes, feelings may be hurt. Yes, hearts may be broken on the godly side, the ones who are praying for them, but truly the only person they are riotous against is their own soul. So he was a wasteful inheritance. And then we see a waste. He wasted all. Look at verse 14. And when he had spent all, it all will wash away sooner or later, right? All the money was gone. All the parties were gone. All the friends were gone. All the fun was gone. Then the Bible says, and there arose, in verse 14, a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. It's funny how even God, even nature itself is one of God's tools to bring a sinner to his end. God literally uses nature here to truly, fully bring this boy to his knees. 
Luke 15, it goes on, Luke 15, uh, um, in uh, verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields, his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. This, this word here means enjoined himself. In the Greek, it means he glued himself to a man. He glued himself to somebody. Um, I had a preacher friend just come back from Egypt. He said, as soon as he got off the plane, there's people there. They're going to take your bag for you. Whether you want them to or not, they're going to take it for you, and they're going to walk you to your taxi. And then you get to the pyramids. There's people there. You know how you get to go into the stores in America and choose what you know, item you want to remember? No, they throw the pyramid chain on your, on your neck. And they look at you and say, something for me? Something for me? They, they are gluing themselves to tourists. Why? Because they, they want something. This boy is, he's literally gluing himself to a man. He's becoming, he's making himself a slave to this man. This man doesn't want his service. He wants to get rid of him. That's why he sends him to the pits. See, he knows he's a Jewish boy. He can tell from his accent, oh, you're a Jewish boy. But he wants to get, I, I've been at jobs where the employer did not want to fire people. You might have been there. But they literally give the person a job that they know the person will deny and resign. You ever seen that? Uh, it probably may have happened to you. They, they, they make you go do something they know you don't want to do. It's, it's below your pay grade. It's below your dignity. They do that because they want you to quit. This, this man wants the boy to quit. He don't want the boy. He's not helping the boy. He's not feeding the boy. The boy is just literally getting sheltered. That's why he's at the point where he, he's thinking about eating pig food. The, the man does not care for him. And that's the devil. See, the devil will take you out there, get you all into your lust, get you all into the world, get you loving the world. He will take you out there. So why, why? So you will quit life. Ultimately, he just wants you to kill yourself. Right? That's the devil. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He's not here to help us. He does not care for us. He will not care for your soul like the Lord. He wants to get to you, get you to a point in your lust, in your prodigal life, in your sinful life, that you will want to give up on everything. Have you resigned? You know the famous quote, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to stray, cost you more than you ever dreamed you would pay, keep you longer than you ever thought you would stay. The devil takes all. He doesn't play for seconds. He doesn't play for part of your life. He wants all of it. He wants you to spend it all. He wants to take all your happiness, all your children, all your dignity, all your purity. He wants it all. And I tell you, someone's going to get your all. There's no in-between. Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. He meant that literally in a command, you cannot serve two masters. And he means that literally nobody can serve two masters. You, you can't get two jobs and work them at the same time during the same hours. You got to work for McDonald's 9 to 5, then you got to work for Burger King 6 to 10. You cannot serve two masters. And the devil and Jesus knows this. 
And Jesus, that's why he calls us to give our all. Don't stand in between. Don't play the fence game. You're either going to give your all to him or you're going to give your all to the devil in the world. So now we turn to the good news. The prodigal love. The prodigal love. Our second point. The prodigal life. First point, prodigal love. The second point. And our sub point, our first sub point is the lavish goodness of his father. Look at verse 17 and 18. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. This father was a gracious man. He was a prodigal man. He was a lavish man. He was lavish with goodness, and he gave goodness out. He lavished his servants, not just his sons, his servants with goodness. The prodigal son remembers. He remembered how good his father was, how prodigal his father was to everyone. In all his condemnation here, in all his sin, he remembers how good his father was. That's, that's good news. It, it was of his father's goodness that he even left the house with an inheritance. The law of Moses, if, if a boy comes and demands his inheritance in Deuteronomy 21 and 18 and to 21, demands his inheritance, by the Mosaic law, he should be stoned. Now, father had a choice in this, but the father could have easily had his boy stoned right there and there. He's a rebellious boy. He should be whipped. But his father's goodness actually allowed him, uh, gave him the opportunity to have his inheritance. He remembered how good his father was to his servants. The Bible tells us in Romans 2, 4, or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's God's goodness here. It's the Father's goodness that is the first ringer in the mind of this boy. His father was a good man to his servants. He remembered how his father treated his servants. How his father would make sure they are fed well. And here he is meditating, debating, should I eat? what pigs eat. Praise God today. We have a God who is good. God is good. To the sinner and the son. Matthew 5, 45 tells us that ye may be children of your father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sit of rain on the just and the unjust. He's good to his father. He's good to his son. Amen. Psalms 23, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I tell you what, I hate cups that run over in my house. I hate when my children run over their cups. When I see a cup that's to the brim, just to the tippity top, and I see it, I know they're going to spill all that all over my floor, all over my... Don't put that much in there. You know, you just you go crazy. I can't stand it. I, 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 I can't stand overflowing anything in my home. It's never a good thing. 
but God overflows our life with goodness. He is lavish. He has lavished so much. Some people will see our father as a wasteful father. The Pharisees right now, they're listening to this story. Even the mere fact that he gave an inheritance to this disobedient boy. The Pharisees who murmured, they're saying, this, this father, he's bad. That's a bad father. He should never gave him that inheritance. They blame the father. But praise God, we have a good God. He has overflowed, our cup overflowed. He has prodigal on our lives. He has spoiled us beyond our belief, beyond all our imagination. American living, American living is spoiling. He spoiled us. He spoils us. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord our God overflows us with goodness. It's the lavish goodness of the Father. Then it's the lavish compassion of the Father. Look at verse 15. He says, I will arise and go to my Father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Uh, let me stop here and make one little just point. He recognized in his heart he was a sinner. It's a good thing. The boy plans to confess his sin because of his father's goodness. He, he, he plans on confessing his sin because of his miserable situation, too. So there's a good part of this confession that he plans to give, and there's a bad part. But let me focus on the good part. He recognized he sinned. We live in a world that don't say we sin anymore. Sin is, doesn't even exist. That word doesn't exist. We've just been dealt a bad card. That's what most people would tell the prodigal son. you just been dealt a bad card. You know, global warming. That's why the famine's here. It's not your fault. It, 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 it's, it's, it, you're a Gemini, right? That, that, that's your fault. That, that's not your fault. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't align what star is going to be in the sky, what month you're going to be born. It's your daddy's fault. Your daddy was just too strict, you know. He talked too much about God. It's your mama's fault. She neglected to hold you right, hug you. Right? It's everybody's fault in this society. They would have told the prodigal son, no, you're all right. You didn't sin. Jesus makes it clear today, we sin by choice. We make decisions against God. This boy recognized, Jesus tells us in this parable, this man is confessing his sin. Uh, Jesus, he loved to preach the R word, the word that most Christians don't even like to preach anymore. That's repentance. Uh, this culture is like the little boy named Jimmy. There was a boy named Jimmy who had trouble pronouncing the letter R. So his teacher gave him a sentence to practice at home. Robert gave Richard a rap in the rib for roasting the rabbit so rare. Some days later, the teacher asked him to say the sentence for her. Jimmy rattled it off. Bob gave Daniel a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. He completely evaded the letter R. We live in a world that completely leaves out preaching repentance. John the Baptist came preaching repentance. Jesus followed it up 
with re preaching repentance. The apostles followed it up with preaching repentance. But this culture, this church culture, this Christianity thinks it's going to reach the world and leave out repentance. We're sadly mistaken. A, a, a preacher or church that's saying you don't have to repent, it, they're, they're saying to the prodigal son, just stay in the pen slop. Keep eating the pig food. Die in your misery. That's what the church is saying when they don't say, repent. You have sinned. So the boy recognizes his repentance. That leads us to this goodness here. This is because of the goodness of the father, he recognizes this, but this is the bad part of his repentance. Verse 19. Let me hasten. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Here, his speech begins good, but ends bad. He says, I'm going, I'm going home to my good father, but his words show us that his repentance is half-baked at best. His plans is to work off his debt. See, that's religion. He started good, repentance. Then he moved to religion. I'm going to work off my debt. I'm coming home. I, I, I'm going to work off this debt. I tell you, repentance is not working off your debt. His eyes, it fits on the law. He's trying to amend the law, not trying to amend a broken relationship. The problem is the broken relationship, not the law. Jesus is not pointing him to the law. He's not pointing us to the law in this story. So realize this, that the boy is coming home lost. He's still lost. He's coming out, praise the Lord. He's heading home. But, but his repentance is wrapped up in, I, I, I got to do better. I'm going to be a servant. Or his repentance is, I need to escape hell. Right? Uh, uh, he, he's changing his life so he can get some food in his belly. Because he wants to eat. The servants eat. I can eat too. There's some people who have changed their life because God is a good God that blesses their lives. He blesses us, right? The people that take this Bible and they would change their life and change their ways and say, I'm sorry, Lord, so they can stop smoking, drinking, stop doing something bad, get out of being a bad person. But that's not salvation. Faith alone saves, not repentance alone, not revolution or, or, or reforming alone. Jesus alone that saves, that's what saves us. It's never repentance alone. So this is why the but is so significant in our next verse. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. See, the but shows us that it's not the repentance that saved him. It's the father that saved him. Remember, the shepherd found the sheep. The woman found the coin. The story doesn't change now. The boy found himself. The father found the boy. He found him. I, I love this. The father, he sees him. I don't believe it's one day that went by that the, boy didn't, the father did not go outside looking for his boy. Not one day went by. Not one day went by that he did not pray for his boy. There's not one day he was not looking for his son. He was constantly thinking about his son. 
There was one preacher, St. Augustine, his wife, Monica, his mother, Monica, when he went astray, when he went his own way into Rome, into living a prodigal life. The Bible, in his um, biography, it said these words, though he could run, he could never outrun his mother's prayers. That's a challenge for me as a father. That's a challenge for you. If you have a prodigal, or one day you may have a prodigal, don't let your children outrun your prayers. Keep praying. Keep waiting on the Lord. This father was waiting for him. Praise God we have a God in heaven who thinks about us. Even while we're in a far, far country, we're not far from his heart. Cares about us. Then we see the lavish supply. The lavish supply of the father. Look at verse 20 again. There's so much richness here. He says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. So we saw the scene. He saw him and had compassion in his heart for him and ran. I love this. It's this word ran here. It means literally to be in a foot race. It, it means he's, he's working or he's outside. He looks, he sees his father, he sees his son, and I'm going to do it. And he ran. He literally ran. I'm talking about the fastest you can run. He didn't, he didn't, it, it, was, it was Olympics. That's what that word here means wrong in, in, in Greek. It, it's Olympic run. It's running for the high prize. He ran for his boy. He didn't skip. He didn't walk. He didn't, he ran as fast as he could. He found his boy. I heard one commentator say he, he outran the law. Love outran the law. The village, they're going to condemn this boy. There's village kids, you know, they didn't have TV back then. So they were bored. So they walked around, running around the whole village. They mocked whoever was a bum, whoever was poor, whoever was unclean. You remember what they did to Elijah? Ball head, ball head. That's the type of village this boy has grown up in. You know, they, they, Elijah turned around and said, she bears. And they ate him alive, right? So th this is the village. The village is, this is mosaic times. This boy coming home, he's unclean. He's been with peers. He's been in a Gentile country. Religious ready to cast him out. Religious ready to kill him. The father outran the religious. The father outran the condemners. He ran to his boy. Praise God, God has ran to us. In the incarnation, he has ran to that cross for us. Jesus became us. And look at this. I I'm leaving my notes, but he just, he has him. He embraces him. All his pig filth is all over him. He smells like pig. And to touch someone who's unclean makes you unclean. He didn't care. He embraced his boy. And that kiss, he's kissing him over and over and over and over and over and over again. He won't let him go. That's love. That's the Godhead. God thought about us. 
in, in, in eternity past, he thought about us. Wherever we will be that day when we were lost, wherever we will be, he has thought about us compassionately. And then in the incarnation, in the Son of God, he has come. He has embraced us. He has taken our uncleanness. He has taken all our riches, our, our wickedness, our unrighteousness. He has placed it on himself. But he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we, that we, and that's the best part. He grabs hold of his boy. He kisses his boy. He holds his boy. And then the best part, the, the, the son's ready to say something now, but I love it. In verse 21, the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. What happened to the rest of that speech? He recognized, I, I, don't, need, I don't need to say it. See, when you understand love, and he understood him when he saw his father, he still had to confess his sin. He still had to leave the pig pen. But I don't need to serve to be right with you. I don't think the father's interrupting him. I think the son got the message. There's grace here. Wonderful, matchless grace here that I don't have to work for any longer. So he ends his sentence. I have nothing enough to say. I tell you, sometimes we just need to shut. The right repentance is the one that says, Lord, forgive me for my sins and shut up. <laughs> he erased the works when he saw the father's work. He erased the works when he saw how good his father truly is. Then we see the verse 22. But the father said unto the, to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The best robe. The father covers him in his best, his best robe. He clothed him with his clothing. You know, he's declaring to the whole community that want to stone his boy. You know, he's, he's, he's declaring to the Mo, Moses, Moses followers, the, the ones over here who want to go back to Deuteronomy, go back to stone his boy. You know, he's declaring, you want to get my son, you got to go through me. You want to kill my boy, you got to go through me. You know what our Father in heaven has said? But he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. We have the best clothing. Jesus Christ. We are in Christ. In the beloved. We are under the blood. If he has outran law. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth has come by Jesus Christ. We're covered in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has declared over us justification. This is what he's doing. He's declaring righteousness over his son. Not because uh, he became a good servant and paid off the debt. Not because he was so good of a boy. Not because he just came to himself. No, he showed him this. He covered him because he loved him. We're not loved by God because we do so well or serve so well. We're loved by God because he is just that good. This would have been enough, but he gives him the ring. 
The ring, the ring is a sign of authority. This boy has gotten the ring of his father on his hand. It, 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 the, the ring is how you recognize somebody else in their family. So when you're a part of a family, you have a ring. It's, it's a signet. If you know the story of um, Judah, when he went to the prostitute, or the one who acted like a prostitute, Tamar, and she asked for his signet in his, in his, um, in his I think his staff. That sitting it was how she escaped getting stoned and set on fire that day. Because he's like, who's the father of this baby? And she's like, the man who this is. It's the sitting. It's the, how you recognize the family tribe. This boy is getting a ring on his finger. And he's back in authority. He, he has authority again to walk in the village with his head up high, knowing that he, he is his father's son, not a slave, not a servant. He don't have to work to get back right. He has authority in the village. Anything he needs, anything he wants, the ring will get him. Can't you see the gospel in this? Our sign of authority is the spirit of God. Our pastor preached a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was a couple of weeks ago, at first Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, in whom ye also trusted. After that ye were, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Ghost of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. We have a seal. We have a sign. We are saved. We are children of God the children of the Most High God. We have authority, child of God. You have authority. And I don't mean no prosperity gospel manifestation way. I mean, you stand before God as his son. You have authority. And then, if that was not enough, he put shoes on his feet. Slaves have no shoes in the Middle East. Middle Eastern Judaism, it don't matter what century, Slaves don't own shoes. Sons have shoes. This is a sure future of deliverance. And sure future of work. He's a son, not a servant. What did God say to us? We have work to do. We, we have a new walk. He's giving his boy a new walk. Remember what I said? He was lost. Now he's getting a new walk. He was lost without shoes, slave mentality, slave lifestyle, religion, 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 religion. Now he has shoes. And these shoes mean more than he ever could imagine shoes meant before. He has a new walk. He has a future with God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. He's a new creature. He has new work. He has new responsibilities. Praise God today. The law demands grace gives. The law extracts grace bestows. Law says do. Grace says believe. Law says work. Grace says rest. Law threatens pronouncing a curse. Grace entreats. Announcing a blessing. 
Laws say, set, law says do and thou shall live. Grace says live and thou shall do. Law condemns the best man. Grace will save the worst man. Praise God, we have a father who is prodigal over us prodigals. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Oh, Father, if there's someone here who is wasting their life, they're longing to be in that far country. They're just waiting, wishing. Oh, Lord, I pray today they will see your goodness. They will hear your goodness. That you are a God who loves to love. You are a God who loves to lavish us with good things. Lord, there's somewhere here today, they've been running in religion. They've been trying to serve you so you will be loving to them. They have fallen into it. They, don't, they, they haven't even realized it. They just unconsciously have this servant mentality, this slave mentality, this religious, bad religious mentality that their acceptance, their approval by you is it, only through their service and not through your goodness in the resurrection, in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, I pray that person would come to an end of themselves today. They would realize that you're the God who ran, <laughs> incarnate into human history. You're the God who embraced. You embraced our, 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 our flesh. You put on this unclean uniform, Lord, and made it clean. You embraced all our wickedness on that cross. You became sin. There was no sin in you, but all our sin on you. It's that that saves, Lord. It's putting our faith in you. The gospel will save our souls. I pray today someone will come to the end of themselves. No longer live in this religion of works, but live in the religion of love. You love so much. You loved us so much. Thank you, Lord. And to all us parents who have prodigals, who have children at home right now, but we can tell their hearts is in a foreign country, or who has children in a foreign country. Oh, help us, Lord. Help us love like you love, Father. Help us wait like you wait. Help us be patient. Oh, Lord, help us embrace when the moment comes. When the moment comes, help us show love. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name.